0: The following is a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel Huntington Beach. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com. We had this incredible moment, as Katie had mentioned, um, of the Christmas tree lighting event, which we had never done before, ever, ever, ever. Um, In fact, as we talked about it, we kind of thought like the normal Wednesday crowd will be there. That's who we're expecting. The normal uh, group that comes on Wednesday, midweek Bible study, they'll be there. I I actually, in our little, because I put up the schedule of kind of what we would be doing, I I had us kind of starting, like the service starts at 630. I had it starting at 6 40, you know, 10 minutes late when everybody comes to church, right? That's what I kind of thought would happen. But people were there early and they were ready like to celebrate. And I got a, we got a picture of that. Uh, it was just like flooded with people, like people we hadn't met before new faces. It was actually super incredible. Now Somebody might say, and I would totally understand them, is why are you doing a Christmas tree lighting event at church? Jeff, I don't see Christmas trees uh, in the Bible. I don't see lighted trees in the Bible. Why are you doing that? And I would be super clear with them. I would say we did it for preparation. We did it to be prepared, to get prepared. Prepared for what? For For the coming of Jesus, that, that in this moment, we, we put a Christmas tree up and we sang Christmas praise songs and we talked about Jesus because we want people to start early and talk about him often in the Christmas season. In other words, to be prepared, to, to be ready. In fact, let me ask you this. How many of you guys have already put Christmas tree lights up on your house? Right? Okay. Okay. So that's my wife. She, the day after Thanksgiving, is out on a ladder. I know I'm a terrible husband, right? (laughs) Terrible husband. Jeff, how dare you, right? Putting Christmas tree lights on our house. She's asking to get the Christmas trees down from the, the attic area, and she's putting the Christmas trees up, and she's wrapping the Christmas trees with lights. We've already got our, how many of you guys have already got your gift shopping started? right? Gift Do you remember back in the day for kids, it would, preparation for Christmas for us was, was putting together Christmas lists. That's what kids did. And for me, it was like going to Mervyn's. You guys remember Mervyn's? And, and walking through the aisles and writing down what I wanted, right? Sears catalog. You guys remember Sears? As my kids have grown up, it, it was Toys R Us initially uh, and Target. And I remember my, my son, his preparation was just circling every toy in the Target catalog, regardless of if he knew what it was or not. It was like, Jack, you don't even know what this is. And he's like, I just want it, right? You just circle it. Today, it's changed, actually, for my kids, and I don't know if it's for your kids or grandkids. It's like, just go to my Amazon wish list, right? And there's this list and I don't have to walk into a store or stand in the line. It's click a button, and it shows up on my doorstep, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's a way I could get it wrapped, right? Just send it to me wrapped, and then, oh, so easy. That's their preparation. For us, it's a little different, right? We're preparing, we're getting ready, and, and here's my argument for starting early and, and talking about Jesus often in the holiday season. Here's my argument. It, it's, it's all about him, right that we get caught up in all the gifts and the lights and the trees and in reality when as a follower of Jesus it's all about him it's all about Jesus and I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Maybe you would, but I'm not saying there's anything wrong about the tree and the lights and the gifts. I think those are all things. But if we forget, if we don't prepare our hearts for what it's really, what Christmas is really about, then we'll miss it out as, as believers in Christ. In fact, when I was growing up, I remember at our church, we celebrated this thing called Advent, which comes from the Latin word Adventus or coming or arriving. How many of you grew up with Advent in your church? right okay so Traditional, somewhat, right? A practice that happens. But in my church, when you would walk in on that, probably near the end, the last weekend of November or the first week of December, the church would look different. Maybe a little bit like what it does this morning, right? We've got the wreaths the up and the lights up and the Christmas tree. You just know something is different this morning. My church had purple or royal blue banners that would hang down and it said joy and peace and love and hope. And these would be significant Significant moments where it would signify the change of the season, that we've now stepped into Advent, and it's time to start recognizing the coming of Christ. We'd also have this, an Advent wreath. Uh, How many of you guys had Advent wreaths in your church? All right. Typically, an Advent wreath would have four outside candles, uh, three of them purple, one of them pink. Pink was for joy. And that was the third week of the the Advent calendar. And then there was a center candle, which represented Christ. It was called the, the Christ candle. And you'd light that either on Christmas Eve or on Christmas. And it was to signify that he is the light of the world. Now at my church, each week we'd light another candle leading up to Christmas and a family would come up and they would read a Christmas passage that would lead towards whether it was joy or hope or peace. It was really helpful as someone who came into church. The church looked different. There's a family up there reading a Bible passage. It was to signify for us that that we need to start remembering that Jesus came for you and I. That God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That was the time for us to say, okay, it's time. And if, if you think about it, it makes total sense. Because my guess is that you have, like we do in our home, a, a tradition, a practice of putting up those Christmas lights right, at a certain time, and not before then, right, only at a certain time, only after this time, right, or we have Christmas, we'll go buy the Christmas trees, or or we'll go get the gift list, or this is when you can start listening to Christmas music, do you have that in your home? This is the moment, and not before then, right? And we have all these practices built into our culture that lead up to Christ. Why wouldn't we in the church then say, for us, our practice is going to be, or in your home, your practice is going to be, when those lights come out, we start talking more and more and more about the coming of Christ? And, and I get it. You could make the argument and say, well, we talk about Jesus all year long, right? Don't we preach him every weekend from this pulpit? And shouldn't we? But in this moment, I think, in some ways, we want to be able to say, I want to give space and time in this season with so many other things going on, so many other lists and things to do, We want to give time and space for preparation of our hearts for the coming of Christ. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of people, three people, in fact, so if you're a note taker, we're going to look at three different people that I think will give us some help in what we can do to prepare our hearts during this Christmas season, what we can do for preparation as followers of Jesus in this season. So if you would, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And as you're turning there, let me talk about these three people, or at least let me give you an idea of of what I think that they are preparing for. Um, They probably grew up in a home uh, and a synagogue somewhere in the first century where they were learning about the promise of a Messiah, of a Christ, of a Savior, that these three people, as, as we're going to read about them here in a moment, they probably knew some verses that you and I know. In fact, they're somewhat Christmas verses. We'll read these around Christmas time. So let me let me share with you one of those verses that these people, all three of them, would have known. This one right here, Isaiah nine six through seven. In fact, we sang a little bit about it this morning. Here's what it says: For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be, when? No end. He's going to rule and reign forever. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, think about this. You're waiting for that Messiah and that promise talked about in Isaiah. I want him to come. Where, where is he? And so the, the Jewish people of the time are preparing their, their hearts and their minds for this coming of the Savior. Then you get a text like this, Micah 5.2. Where's he gonna come from? It says this, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from the ancient of days. Therefore Israel will abandon until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And some of this prophecy is for the coming of Jesus the first time, but also speaks of a coming of Jesus a second time, which we as followers of Jesus believe he's coming again. Amen? So they're waiting for these passages to come forth. And here's one more, last one, Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means what? God God with us. And so all three people that we're going to talk about this morning have been waiting, anticipating this moment when the Savior will come. The first one I want to look at is in Mark chapter 1. You've all turned there. And I believe the name is John the Baptist, right? You know John the Baptist. And from him, we're going to learn two things about preparation. From John and his text, we're going to learn two things about what it is to prepare our hearts during this Christmas time. Here's the first thing you should know about John. He's actually talked about in the Old Testament. Did you know that? Listen to what it says in the Old Testament. Isaiah 40, verse 3. Here's what it says. The voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now you would say to me, well, I don't see John's name anywhere in there. Where does it say John the Baptist? It doesn't say it anywhere in there, but look at what you just turned to in Mark chapter 1. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 1. Here's what it says. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, As it is written in the prophets. What was written in the prophets? I don't know. Look at this. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. There's John in Isaiah 40. Here's John in Mark chapter 1. And the question we're asking ourselves this morning is what did John do to prepare his, himself and his people for Jesus? Look what it says in verse 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized in him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Look at verse 6. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. Kind of an eccentric dude, right? Verse 7. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John teaches us this. Our first preparation, note takers, if you're writing this down, write this down. Here's what John prepares us for and encourages us to do is this. Prepare your hearts in the Advent season as we lead up to Christmas, this is a great opportunity for us to prepare our hearts. Look what John does. John comes and he says, listen, I'm going to be baptizing in the wilderness. I am preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And it later on says people would come out to John and they would confess their sins. What better thing to do? I mean, you could hang Christmas lights. You could put up Christmas trees. You could sing Christmas songs, but what better thing to do in this season than to turn to the Lord, right? That that we would say before the Lord, am I standing righteously before you? That as I come and I sing songs about Jesus, is my heart right with him? And so we hit this Advent season, and I think for us as believers, it's a great opportunity for us to prepare our hearts, and say, Lord, if I'm gonna do this Christmas thing all season long, I wanna ask this question first and foremost, is my heart right with you? And maybe someone this morning would say, listen, I've been doing Christmas all my life. I've never even heard about preparing my heart in this Christmas season. Maybe this is that moment this morning where you say, listen, before we enter into this season of celebration of the coming of Christ, I wanna make sure that I'm right with him that my heart is right with him. And John says, listen, here's how you do that. You you repent, you turn away from those things that are not of God. And you confess and you say, Lord, this is not right with you and I wanna make sure again before I enter in and I sing about Jesus and I celebrate Jesus that my heart is right with you. I think John gives us this awesome opportunity. He says, I'm coming to prepare to blaze a trail for Jesus and people were coming out to him, and they were saying, I'm coming out to you because I've heard about all the things that, that God is going to do. What do I do next? And John would say, let me baptize you, and, you and, and give you an opportunity to repent and confess and turn towards the Lord. And I believe he gives us that opportunity this morning as well. The second thing I believe that John does in, in this idea of preparation, a little tidbit or help that he gives us, is that he makes a big deal about Jesus. Jesus. He makes a huge deal about Jesus. Look what it says here in Mark 1 7. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What is John saying? I'm not worthy. When I look upon myself and I look upon Christ, I am not worthy. And in this season, when we do so many things, we have so many kind of rituals that we do around our homes and presents and songs and trees and all that stuff, we should say, listen, those are secondary to the one that is first, that Jesus should be first in our homes In this season. Much like John would say, may we take a a second seat to Jesus and all our our desires and what we want. May Jesus be primary in our homes. In fact, there's this moment uh, where some of John's disciples come to him and they say, we're losing people. They don't say that exactly, but that's essentially what they're saying. We're losing people. They're going over to Jesus's camp, right? They've left us, John. They're leaving you, John, And they're going over to to see Jesus and be with Jesus. And John says this, you yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, right? Any moment John had all this publicity, had all this fame. It says that people all over Judea were coming out to him. He could have been like, well, maybe I am the Christ, right? Maybe I am the one. Not just the one that was sent before, but maybe, maybe I am. Right He doesn't say that, though. He says, "I've told you all along I am not the Christ." but I have been sent before him. We read that. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. John is saying, I've heard the voice of the bridegroom. I'm rejoicing at the sound of Jesus's voice. He says, therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. And here's what he says. He must increase, but I must what? Decrease that John is saying all the notoriety and fame. I actually want that to decrease so that Jesus's fame and name would increase. He says, he who comes from above is above all. And in this season, man, there are so many things that want to take that place of Jesus in our homes, in our thoughts, in our lives. And I would say we fight for it. We, we start early and we speak of him often in this season because he should take priority in our homes and in our lives. And again, don't hear this from me. Uh, bad Christmas tree, bad lights, bad, right? And maybe you feel that way, and that's okay, but I just told you, we have lights on our home. We have Christmas, two Christmas trees in our house, right? They were given to us, so there you go, right? So I'm not anti-Christmas, but I'm saying, hey, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, we need to have less of those things and more of Christ talking about him in our homes, Amen? amen? Amen. I want to introduce you to a second person. Moving right along here. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. John the Baptist teaches us about preparing our hearts, getting our hearts ready. Some of us would say repentance and confession. He, he talks about making a, a big deal about Jesus in this season, preparing this, our homes and, and putting Jesus at the top. I want to introduce you to Simeon. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Simeon. Look at what it says here in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Not constellation, not like the stars, but the consolation, which the idea was this, that the Savior is gonna come and he's gonna relieve us of our sorrow and our grief and our brokenness. God is gonna send someone to restore us and to save us. That's the idea of the consolation of Israel, and the, and the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, upon him. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus, Now, here's what happens with Simeon. He's been given a promise. And, and his people had been given a promise. And in this moment, there's a fulfillment of that promise very tangibly happening in his life. That he's actually getting to see the promise fulfilled. Simeon actually teaches us about preparation. And I think we can hold on to. Here's what his is. Life devoted anticipation. Life of devoted anticipation for the coming of our Lord right? That actually, as we are believers right now, we follow after Jesus. We believe that he's coming again, right? Amen? Amen. There's a moment when he returns again. And and actually, in this moment, much like Simeon, we hold on to God's promises that he's going to return again. And in this waiting period, as we wait for that second coming, are we living lives devoted to him, anticipating him think about it for a second does my life reflect who i'm called to be by jesus it says of simeon that he was what what are the words that he used just and devout that simeon was just and devout which meant that he was obedient unto the lord living his life in reverence to the lord what was he waiting for that first coming of christ that he held on to those, those texts that we read at the very beginning of our message, those promises of the Old Testament, oh, I believe God's gonna do it. I believe God's gonna do it. And then one moment, there's a point in his life where God comes to him and says, listen, Simeon, I got a deal for you, <laughs> right? You won't taste death until you see the salvation of your people. You won't taste death until that Messiah, that promised one is here. And think about in that moment, he's standing there and he's holding this baby. By the way, the text says he was led by the spirit to that moment. And now he's holding Jesus in his arms, and all those promises he grew up as with a boy. All those promises God had made to him are fulfilled in this very moment. Listen, he waited and waited and waited, and waited, and maybe you're in that place where you're waiting, and waiting, and waiting. God, when are you going to come through? God, when are you going to answer? God, how long do I have to wait? And I think with Simeon, he say, listen, the preparation is that we just stay devoted and anticipating him. We stay devoted to Jesus, anticipating him, whether that's his second coming, Or whatever it is he's promised you in your life that you're waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm going to stay committed to you. Committed to your ways and following after you. Here's the second thing that I think Simeon teaches us. I love this one. He says, let's celebrate God's faithfulness. Let's celebrate what God has done. Let's celebrate that God is faithful to his promises. In some ways, think about it for a second. Simeon is saying, "I'm going to stay devoted to you, anticipating your promises, because here's why: I know that you are faithful." And in this moment of holding baby Jesus in his arms, this very, I think, very sensitive and tender moment, this very joyous moment, he's like, "Ah, I, I've, this is that moment that we've been—I was promised." And listen to what he says, Luke 2, 28. He took him in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation. Think about that. Take that in for a second. I've got to hold your salvation in my arms. My eyes have seen it. And this is salvation, he says, uh, go on to say, not just for my people, but for all people. For the Gentiles too. This is an incredible moment. Can I point something out to you? He's, He's teaching us preparation through looking at God and celebrating his faithfulness. But you and I, we know more about Jesus than Simeon did. Think about that for a second. That we know more about, even though in this moment he's celebratory, I'm holding the, the salvation of all people in my arms. The fulfillment of God's promises. But you know that you and I, through the book of Romans, through Hebrews, as we read the fullness of who Christ is, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the, the one who died on the cross, Simeon doesn't know that died on the cross for you and I, suffered for you and I. We know so much more about Jesus. So in this season, we should be able to say, I'm gonna stay devoted and anticipated for him. And I'm gonna stay praising and celebrating God's faithfulness because I know who Jesus is. There is no way that gifts and lights and trees are more important than my Jesus, right? Right? amen, that, that actually this, this, this fight I have inside of me, I want to celebrate, I want to have fun, and I think those are good, but if I don't mention the name of Jesus in my holiday season, then I miss out, which is why I believe as a church, collectively, we prepare, we get ready, and we give time and space to Jesus in our homes and in our church services as we prepare for his coming. I want to introduce you to one more. One more person this morning. And you don't have to turn anywhere else in scripture. You could just be right there. I want to introduce you to Anna. Luke chapter two, verse 36. Simeon teaches us a life devoted and anticipating Jesus and celebration of God's faithfulness. Let's look at Anna, Luke two thirty-six. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Here's what you know about Anna. She was a prophet. She, she spoke the word of God to people. She, she, she shared the, the promises of God to people. Now, you saw what happened to her, right? That She was, she was married for seven years, and then it says till she was a widower for the rest of her life. She, she lost her husband. Now, now, that story could have gone a million different directions, right? It, she could easily have gotten angry or embittered at the Lord. How could you? I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I have a lot of questions at you, but with Anna, we see something completely different. She actually goes to the house of God, right? When it could have been so easy for her to isolate and and get away from God, she actually moves towards God and becomes a part of the temple practice, in fact. She's a a prophet who would encourage people and build people up. She turns the tragedy into triumph. And there's this moment where you thought, man, it could have gone Wouldn't you have liked to have been there and just asked her? How did you do it? How after you, you lost the one that you love, did you turn into this woman who was so faithful to the Lord? How did you become that person? Look at what Anna, I think, teaches us in our preparation process. Go deep with God. Don't turn from God, don't run away from God. Instead, go deeper with God. Step closer to the family of God. Step into the house of God. Don't distance yourself and run away from him. Instead, find your purpose and significance inside of him. You know, I, I think this, this is kind of a, a, my thought process over Anna. There's a moment where she's hurting and broken, right? And she goes to the house of God, and, and, P, and somebody ministers to her, right? And she's, she doesn't know how she's going to get through it. She doesn't know how she's going to walk through this season. She's hurting, and somebody speaks life into her, right? Yahweh is with you. Yahweh is with you. Don't give up, Anna. Keep walking. And then she turns over time and through healing, she turns into this woman who becomes someone who speaks that word into other people's lives. And instead of running away from God, she goes deeper with God. She dives into him. And she's, she's one of those faithful ones that you could go to the temple and get help from. Would you pray for me, Anna? Have you asked Anna down at the temple yet? Have you gotten wisdom from Anna yet? And she's 84 years old, a life lived for God. Do you see what it says? It says she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day doing what? Fasting and praying. She actually took the time to grow closer to the living God. And then she became one that poured out wisdom on other people. And I would just say in this season, as we prepare for the coming of Christ, that we would go deeper with him. That actually we would spend time with the family of God. We would come to church and be around the family of God. Of God, as we consider the things of Him, that we'd actually go deeper with Him. Maybe some of us even called to fast and to pray in this season of Advent as we as Christmas approaches. That we don't run away from church; actually, we go deeper into church. Now, she's blessed with this incredible moment, right? We just read it, and I I don't know if yet if Simeon's holding. Uh, Jesus in his arms, and Mary and Joseph are there, or if it 's just Mary and joseph, but there 's this moment where it says that she uh, that that they were there, that they were present. Uh, she never left the temple uh, sorry, let me look, grab this thirty seven and then they and then there was a widow until she was eighty four She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying verse thirty eight coming up to them at that very moment so it could have been that Simeon's holding their, holding Jesus in that moment, and, and she has this moment of like, ah, oh, this is the one. I get to see this child. I get to see the salvation of Israel. Here's what, um, here's what Anna reminds me of, a tree uh, planted by the waters. Anna reminds me of this tree that is so nourished and cared for. In fact, Jeremiah uh, chapter 17, verse 7, here's what it says. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That to me is the picture of Anna right? It's this woman who went through difficult times and held on to the things of the Lord, was nourished by the Lord, and then grew and bore fruit to where the text says she was someone who spoke the word of God to other people. That, that, that this powerful moment, and she's blessed to see Jesus, and here's the last thing that we'll learn from Anna, and one of the last things we'll learn this morning is this idea of preparation is this, as we're preparing our hearts. Look at what Anna, I believe, does. She, she spends this time to sh- sharing Jesus. And in fact, I, I think what we see in her text is this joyous moment is just overflowing inside of her. And look what it says in Luke 2.38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the what? the redemption of Israel. Who did she speak to? Everyone, all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. You're not gonna believe what I got to do. You're not gonna believe what I just saw, that the promised one, the Messiah, the Christ, I got to meet him. He was right there. I got to hold him. Oh, I am a blessed woman. I got to see all that God had promised, fulfilled in this little child. Praise God. And she would share that with person after person after person. I had a, and she would probably testify, you know who I once was? I was hurting and broken and I was ministered to. And, and then I spent my life pouring my, my, my life out to others at the temple And then God blessed me with knowing Jesus. And let me just tell you, your testimony isn't so much different than Anna's. There's a moment where you don't know Christ and then you meet him and then everything else is changed and then you and I are called actually by Jesus to share this with other people. This good news, this incredible news. And I wanna encourage you with this. In this season of preparation, there's no time like right now in the church calendar year, to share Jesus with people. That there is a receptivity to this Christmas season that comes about almost naturally for people to to be receptive to the word of God and to Jesus. And in fact, that's why we started early and we want to speak often about him here at Refuge this season. In fact, we put this calendar together for you, right, that Katie had shown you so that you would be able to say, listen, I want you to come to this little thing we call the shepherd performance on December 21st, right? I don't want you to miss that. There's this crazy guy, right? We call him Pastor Bill. And he does this incredible, incredible performance with the gospel at the very end. And, and, and I, want you to, I want you to come with me. Would you come with me to my church? I'll take you to dinner before. I'll take you to dinner after, whatever it is. But I want to use this opportunity to share Jesus. It's what I do to prepare for the coming of Christ. I, I share Christ with other people. Just awesome opportunities in this season. Maybe, maybe you have a coworker, and and, and they, would want, they would be willing to listen, because it's the Christmas season, of what Christmas means to you. That maybe you have a family member who, in all other parts of the season, they're like, I don't want to hear it, but I want to just tell you, and you may not believe the same thing I believe, but I want to be able to share what Christmas means to me. Why is Christmas so significant to me? And that door is then open for you to share what Jesus means to you and what the coming of Jesus specifically means to you. Here's what I want you to see. Now, here's the thing. If you're a note taker, you're probably writing all this down, but now we all get to cheat at the end. You can just take a picture of this slide, and there they all are right there. (laughs) Here's what it is. I think you just walk down and you thought, okay, there's so many things we do in our home to prepare for Christmas, right? And we've talked about those, the lights and the trees and the gifts and the songs and the Christmas movies and the Christmas cookies. We have a, a list of things that we do in our home. So then the question might be, well, what am I doing in this season, in my family, with my roommates? What are we doing to prepare that has something to do with Jesus, right? Look at this. I I, want to prepare my hearts. I want this to be on my list every year as we hit Advent, that that last part of November, first part of December. I want to make sure it signifies in my heart that I'm preparing my heart for Christ. I want to make a big deal in my home About Jesus, either with my kids or grandkids or friends or roommates, whoever, I want to make a big deal about Jesus in my home. I want to make sure that I'm living a life that's devoted and anticipating his coming. His first coming, I love it. We know that happened. And his second coming. I want to celebrate God's faithfulness. Do you know what Jesus in that manger means to me? That means that Emmanuel, God with us, God loved us enough to send his son. That little baby picture image that we have in our homes, many of us, symbolizes God's faithfulness. And I want to make sure I remember that each and every year as that time comes around. I want to go deeper with God in this season. Actually, I don't want it to be surface level Christmas stuff. I want to actually go deeper with him. I want to be like Anna, praying and fasting in this season. I actually want to grow in my relationship with the Lord. And finally, again, built into our culture Uh, Like maybe Easter rivals it, but like no other time, there's a sensitivity to the the name of Jesus. There's an openness and, and an invitation card that I could send out to people or I could give to people at work that I wanna be able to, in this season, share Jesus with others. Now, we always say it, he's the reason for the season, right? He's the reason for the season. So I need to make sure that that's true in my own heart, and in my life. Now, practically, this is where we're gonna close. I've only said that once, so we're legitimately closing. But I wanted to give you some practical ideas because you might think to yourself, well, I don't know how to do that. I'll c- just keep coming to church. And I think that's great, right? Anna found herself in the house of God. I think that's a great place to be. And that's one thing you can do. But, but in our family, Bethany and I, uh, we've done different things over the years. And I personally have done some things that when Advent hits, I want to be doing these things just to center my heart and mind on Jesus. So here are a couple things. That we'll look over uh, quickly. The first one is the Advent bags. Uh, They are numbered, well, ours were numbered 1 to 25. If you started today, you'd have to go 4 to 25, right? Because it's December 4th. And each day, uh, and you could totally do this. I thought this was for kids and grandkids. You could do this with your roommates. If you have some roommates at home, you could could put bags, they'd be like, why are you putting bags on our walls, right? And quite, just to be honest, our kids are junior high and high school. They don't want anything to do with the bags anymore. Like, come on, no more bags. But when they were kids, they loved it because here's what it did. It helped them to anticipate the coming of Jesus. And, and really what it was in each one of those bags was a Bible verse and something uh, a little off the wall that Bethany would like they would put toothbrushes in there and like tie it to the Bible verse somehow, right? Or she'd put something fun or funny and, and different uh, Bible characters in there. And the kids would love it because they'd be like, I get to open it. And it would be, they'd take turns and they'd open it together. And then we have this time as a family to read the passage and they They'd get the little whatever, knick-knack, candy, whatever it was that tied in with the passage. Anticipation, preparation. The middle one is a book. It's just to signify that there are so many uh, different devotions out there that maybe there's one that you like that you would buy and say, I really like this author. I like the way he or she writes. And it really speaks to me a lot. So I want to read that in the morning, maybe uh, as a devotion so that I can, to center my heart and mind on Christ. I wanna talk about them a lot in this season. I want to consider him a lot and what he did for me in this season. A great devotion is a way to do that. Uh, The the Advent wreath, you can do it at home. You can make your own Advent wreath. And and if you have roommates or kids or grandkids, they can light a candle and you read a passage together. And as the, the time progresses, you just light another candle until that final time. Maybe before you open up any presents, you're going to light that Christ candle and you're going to talk about how important Jesus is. And that's the reason for the season and that he's the light of the world. Um, the one on the bottom left is, is probably more for kids, for uh, parents and grandkids. Just get a basket uh, filled with books, maybe 10 or 15 books, that you allow your, your kids or grandkids to go grab, and they're gonna focus them on Jesus and the story of Mary and Joseph, or whatever accounts you want, whatever, there's cute ones out there. You can, there are lots of different types of uh, devotion-type books for kids. You let them pick them and then you read them to them. And and then they get excited about, hey, you're gonna read me a story. We're gonna spend some time together and we're gonna talk about Jesus leading up to Christmas. The other one is Mary and Joseph. That one is a little bit out there. You can take Mary and Joseph and hide them uh, far away from wherever you maybe have your manger scene uh, and they're hidden far away and as they, then you let the kids go look for them and then as you get closer to Christmas, you're moving them closer and closer to the manger scene and then they finally on Christmas Day arrive at the manger scene and then you get to talk about Jesus being in the manger and that you've, had, you've held them in anticipation all along so you could use that. And the other two, super simple. One is, I know many of you guys have Spotify or you have Apple Music or whatever you use. Just get a, a, a Spotify um, listening list. Put together, of of all they've already got them pre-made of Christian Christmas songs. That again, as you're driving to work, as you're walking around the house, you're listening to these songs and they're actually building you up, right? They're they're edifying you because they're all about your Savior Jesus coming. And the last one is many of you have you version, right? You use it as a Bible app, there's lots of different translations on it um, of the Bible. And in particular, one thing that they do every season, seems like all through the Christmas or the, the church calendar, is they actually put together devotions for you so that every single morning when you wake up, like I'm doing one by John Piper right now that, that I've used for a couple of years, and I love it. It's the text, it's the biblical text, and then him just writing a short thing about what that means to him, and I, I actually love it. It really helps me a lot. So maybe this, this Christmas holiday, you just grab one of those things and say, listen, I'm gonna start walking and preparing my heart for the coming of Christ. And as for me and my family, we want to be people who honor Jesus and celebrate him rightly, right? And, and I could get caught up in the mix and I don't wanna get caught up in the mix. I love all the things that have to do with Christmas, but I also wanna honor Jesus in this season. Are you with me on that? All right, let's pray. Lord, give us wisdom and direction this morning on how it is that we can do rightly by your name. Lord, you mean everything to us. Lord, as followers of you, you are everything. And there's this moment where you come into human history and you step down and you walk amongst us. Lord, and we want to celebrate that moment. It is so big for us and it's big for all 365 days of our year. But in this moment, at this time, we want to focus our attention upon you and celebrate you. And so, Lord, I know this morning there's probably lots of different ideas and things, but Lord, would you help us to step forward in faith and begin to practice some of these things that that we put into place, Lord, in remembering what you've done for us. May we celebrate you rightly. Amen. This has been a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel Huntington Beach. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com or call 714-891-9495 set free